morning, y'all. This is, can I just say that right now, I am literally on an adventure in faith, just in, in my work of preparing today's message. And, well, that was less of the adventure. The real adventure is the delivery of this message because there's this notion that I want to share with you about revolutionary love. And it, I mean, it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> but the action of it, the being in it, the delivery of it, with any sense of, and I'm not even going to talk about any idea of consistency, just embracing it fully it's just a lot. It is literally an adventure in faith. So, so I'm going to invite us that we all be on this adventure in faith. I shouldn't be the only one trying to work out revolutionary love in my life. And so I'm going to invite everybody, and you know what that's like, help me do this thing that, that, I'm, that I'm called to do. And it flies in the face of all that we typically hold. So, for example, our read, our annual read, meaning that Heart and Soul members and those of you who are hanging out in the deep end of the pool with us, we're inviting you to read Emmett Fox's Around the Year with Emmett Fox. And so yesterday and today, for July 10th and July 11th, it is based on Matthew 7. So it's Judge Not. Judge not. Now, that'll keep us busy in terms of revolutionary love because we live in a time all social media. Well, I don't know because I'm not really on it. But my sense is what caused me to choose to be less available to it is that it is judgment. In fact, it seems to be the rule that no point in being there if you're not going to judge. Now, I know everything there is not that, but there does seem to be a pervasive theme of judging and canceling people in our judgment. And it is total. Now, you know, some of us come from a time where sure we judged, but we weren't judging people we didn't know. You, you know what? I mean, like specifically, by name, judging people we don't know, and the only information we have is some little piece of video that may or may not be them. And we're, it, it, it awakens something in us. Here's what I believe. I believe that there is that that is in Scripture, much like in common culture. Common culture does not go ahead of us it reports what we've already been doing. So words in the dictionary are not words that we're making up, hoping to start using. They are words that are in use. So when, I, when we read judge not, and ultimately lest ye be judged, but don't even worry about that part. Just get started with the judge not part. So when we read that, we realize that that's there because there is overwhelming judgment in the human condition. And so our first step, I'm just suggesting, to as we do our prep, 
as we do our whatever it takes for us to be ready for revolutionary love, let us start with Emmett Fox. July 10th and 11th with getting into our systems, our intention to judge not. I think that's going to give us a good foundation to begin what I want to talk to you about. And look, look, I want to start with we, Heart and Soul, for anyone who doesn't yet know, Heart and Soul is an affiliate. We are one of the member churches, one of the member centers for Centers for Spiritual Living, an international organization. And one of our, uh, the global vision is a document that just speaks to who and how we are. You can find it on our website, heartsoulcenter.org. So if you want to know more about what we believe and who we are and from whence we come, that would be a good place to check in. But what I want to just excerpt from that is, and you hear me say it often, we see a world that works for everyone where we are called, what? To conscious social action. I need to park here. I'm going to pull over for just a minute because I want to make sure this is clear. That we are just not out seeing a world. We're just not looking into the ethers, imagining. That's important because visioning is a divine attribute of spirit. So we see it first. Does that make sense? But that's not all you're doing. You're not just called to see it in your mind. We are called to conscious social action, which means that there's something for each of us to be and do in alignment with what we see, especially as we train our thought towards seeing a world that what works for every... Now, to tell the truth, who even knows what that is? Who even knows? What is a world? Who's seen it? A world that works for everyone. So this is why we must envision it. We must judge not, because that's going to get in the way of us seeing a world that works for everyone. You're not going to see a world that works for everyone while you judge. So we got to line up the, the, the order of things. Get really clear in our, the resonance of our spirit that I'm not judging. And then begin to envision a world that works for everyone, getting ourselves out of the way. This, that's going to keep us busy. We don't have, there ain't nothing else we're going to be able to do. Because this is going to take every bit of our consciousness, every bit of our waking hours, all of that. Am I making, we're going to do the best that we can to do this. But look. Valerie Kaur offers us this idea. She says that any time we worry that we are dreaming too big, and that vision statement, think now, what's the next vision? Because I'll start there. You know what I mean? Because it's a big one. But she says any time we start to worry, and I'm going to add fear or doubt, that, that's just too big, Rev. We give, give us a smaller, but I, give me a smaller vision to begin to work on. She says we must remind ourselves and each other 
that absolutely every unjust social institution in history seemed permanent until it was imagined otherwise. Let me just talk to my, my, my folks of African ancestry just for a moment and say, y'all know. Y'all know you don't need me to give you no asterisks, no footnotes around this, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because there's a whole beginning with enslavement, certainly through Jim Crow, certainly, let me not name all the errors till right now. Yes. And then I know there are others who can get right on board with this. But look, she is, I want to park here for a moment because I, I watched her TED Talk, Valerie Kaur's TED Talk. And I wanted you to know this about her, that she is a renowned sick activist. Now, I always thought the word was pronounced seek. She is seek. She is sick and pronounces it sick. So that got my attention right away. And I thought, well, that's one of the things, right? Before I judge not, get the information right. So when she calls it sick and herself sick, I'm like, I'm going to start calling it that because nobody ever told me. I just listened to others who obviously did not know. So we're going to begin there. She's a renowned sick activist, filmmaker, and civil rights lawyer. And this is, I just excerpt, excerpted two ideas, two lessons, in fact, out of her TED Talk that is entitled Three Lessons in Revolutionary Love. I'm going to give you briefly two, and but we're going to put the link in the chat so that you can go check out the rest. I'm, can I just assign that as a little life work? In addition to judging not, watch the TED Talk. Okay, so she, at some point she says, I'm 20 years old watching the Twin Towers fall. The horse stuck in my throat. And then a face flashes on the screen, a brown man with a turban and beard. And I realize that our nation's new enemy looks like my grandfather. And these turbans, meant to represent our commitment to serve, cast us as terrorists. Can I remind you to judge not? And six became targets of hate alongside our Muslim brothers and sisters. The first person killed in a hate crime after September 11th was a sick man standing in front of his gas station in Arizona. He was a family friend I called uncle, murdered by a man who called himself a patriot. I went to his widow. I wept with her, and I asked her, what would you like to tell the people of America? I was expecting blame, but she looked at me and said, tell them thank you. 3,000 Americans came to my husband's memorial. They did not know me, but they wept with me. Tell them thank you. Thousands of people showed up because unlike national news, the local media told my uncle's story. Stories can create the wonder that turns strangers into sisters and brothers. She says, this was my first lesson in revolutionary love. Stories can help us see 
no stranger. So in addition to judging not, I'm calling on you to see no stranger. This is not easy. Even the disciples said, Lord, this is, this is a hard teaching, Master. And so I understand if you say, now, come on, Rev. In July, we are the, 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 the county is open. You could be taking it easy. We don't have time for the take it easy lesson. We got work to do. We have loving to do. We have healing to do. And this is the call. I think she's right on. The first lesson is to understand how stories can help us see no stranger. This is why we must teach American history as it unfolded. The truth about how it unfolded. Why? Because stories help us to heal and to see the truth about humanity. But not if we manufacture it. Yes. You see, the national news didn't talk about uncle and who he was and what he did and the truth of his being. The national news showed him in his sick turban and people judged. The local news showed the same photos, I'm sure, or similar, but they told a story. So people got to move beyond the judgment of just the imagery. Is this making sense, y'all? All right. She goes on to say, I reckon with the fact that my son is growing up in a country more dangerous for him than the one I was given. And there will be moments when I cannot protect him when he is seen as a terrorist. Just as black people in America are seen as criminal, brown people illegal, queer and trans people immoral, indigenous people savage, women and girls as property, those are other stories about us. That's how we judge. And it's a slippery slope. See, you can't, like, judge the one group and then try to get credit for not having judged another because you're judging. We are judging. And sometimes we think, well, I know better. I know that all black people, I'm black. I know they're not all criminals. But do you look at brown people and immediately assume or immediately wonder? She's calling us to a different wonderment. We cannot afford to judge. None of us can. She says, and when they fail, when they, with all this judgment and this assignment of who we are at a glance, is when they fail to see our bodies as some mother's child and it becomes easier to ban us, detain us, deport us, imprison us, sacrifice us for the illusion of security. We must, I say to you, invoke wonder and wonderment. She goes on to say, this is the second lesson, that 15 years to the day, she returned to the gas station where her uncle was killed. She said she set down a candle on the spot where he bled to death. His brother, Rana, turned to her and said, nothing has changed. And she said, she asked him, who have we not yet tried to love? 
Write that down. I'm going to invite you to use that as your question. When the thing hits you hard that it's getting worse, worser and worser, to ask yourself, who have we not yet tried to love? We decided to call the mercy. See, when you ask the right question, <laughs> when you ask the right question, it leads you to different actions and activity. Does that make sense? She says, we decided to call the murderer in prison. The phone rings. My heart is beating in my ear, she says. I hear the voice of Frank Roque. I'm guessing that's the pronunciation. A man who once said, I'm going to go out and shoot some towel heads. We should kill their children too. She says, and every emotion within her said, I can't, I can't. I'm going to say I can't. Because you know, I can't surpasses I can't. So I'm imagining, she said aloud, I can't, but she meant I can't. I just can't do this. But they did it anyhow. She said it becomes an act of will to wonder. Our work is cut out for us to bring something different. Why? Because we want a different outcome. So we know we must bring something different to it. Frank says, on the phone, I'm sorry for what happened. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. She asked him, why? Why did you agree to speak with us? See, she's in wonder. She's in wonder. Why did you even take our call? <laughs> what was that? His answer is, I'm sorry for what happened, but I'm also sorry for all the people killed on 9-11. She says he failed to take responsibility. It's an opportunity to judge, isn't it? It's an opportunity to be done. You got the phone, you could hang up. But what she says is, I became angry to protect Rana. But Rana is still wondering. See, she's wanting to judge and in a protective mode, but he's all right. He's still wondering, listening. Rana responds, Frank, this is the first time I'm hearing you say that you feel sorry. He's listening. He's not judging. Frank says, yes, I'm sorry for what I did to your brother. One day when I go to heaven to be judged by God, I will ask to see your brother. And I will hug him and I will ask him for forgiveness. And Rana said, we already forgave him. She says, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is freedom from hate. Because when we are free from hate, we see the ones who hurt us not as monsters, but as people who themselves who are wounded, who feel threatened themselves, who don't know what else to do with their insecurity, but to hurt us, to pull the trigger, to cast the vote, or to pass the policy aimed at us. She says, but if some of us begin to wonder about them, listen even to their, even listen to their stories, we learn that participation in oppression comes at a cost. It cuts the oppressor off from their own capacity to love. 
And she says that was her second lesson in revolutionary love. <clears throat> Valerie Kaur says that revolutionary love is the choice to enter into wonder and labor for others, for our opponents and for ourselves in order to transform the world around us. It's not a formal code or a prescription, but an orientation to life that is personal and political, and it's rooted in joy. Some of us have wondered how the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s, how the Mandela's, how the Rosa Parks, how any of the names that we could, could roll off of our, how did they manage to, because it's personal, it's political, and it's rooted in joy. And I know that feels, there's no congruence to it in our minds when we judge. Because we often say, I couldn't do, I couldn't do that. But I've come today to say, what if you could? What if you could? What if you changed what you're telling yourself? What if you quit judging your limits? What if you quit setting the limits for what you can be and do and have? She says, loving only ourselves is escapism. Loving only opponents is self-loathing. Loving only others is ineffective. All three practices together, loving ourselves, loving others, loving our opponents. In Scripture, enemies. When we love all of them together, we make love revolutionary. And revolutionary love, she says, can only be practiced in community. You see, that's a huge part of why heart and soul exist, is because we understand. I didn't necessarily know it could only be practiced. I just know it's easier practiced. That it's easier when a group of us pray together around the outcome. It's easier when we vision together, when we remind each other, when we, you know, I appreciate it when a sister nudges me so I can get, bring that back a bit. <laughs> you know, I can, I can pull that rage back in. I, the sharpness of the tongue doesn't have to cut everybody. And so you, you want to be surrounded by, by somebody who'll just go, come on now, and you go, okay, there's another way to say that. There's another way I can feel in this moment. But here's the thing. Hold on, y'all. Don't give up. Change is coming. But it's, it, it takes whatever it takes. It's whatever timing it, it has for it. But what I've come today to say is hold on. Change is coming.
Everything's gonna be all right. Change is coming. It means we're in this for the long haul. That we've made up our minds to, rather than judging, to be in wonderment. To wonder, why would they do that? Why would they say that? Why would they feel that? To be in wonderment, which gets us a different response leaves us with a different sense than any, any judgment could deliver to us. Yes? Hold on. Change is coming. Don't worry about a thing she said already. Our sister Valerie Kaur said to us that when we worry that the vision's too big, that the intention is much too expansive, I've come to you today to say don't worry about a thing. That's not yours. Change is coming. Don't worry about a thing. Look, Dr. Michael Beckwith says that there is a lie that acts like a virus within the mind of humanity. He says the lie is that there's not enough good to go around, that there's lack and there's limitation and that there's just not enough. The truth is, that there's more than enough good to go around. There's more than enough creative ideas. 
There's more than enough power. There's more than enough love. There's more than enough joy. All of this begins to come through a mind that is aware of its own infinite nature. And you will not be aware of your own infinite nature if you live from judgment. There is enough for everyone. If you believe it, if you see it, remember our first part of what we're charged to do is to begin to see a world that works for all. If you can believe it, if you can see it, and if you can act from it, it will show up for you. But don't believe me, try it. Don't believe me. Don't go out and tell nobody. I believe it because she said it. Try it. Prove it for yourself. If it isn't done unto you as you believe. Our beloved sister, Octavia Butler, said all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. Hold on, change is coming. Yes, that this is us getting ready for all that is. The entire time that I was listening to, watching the TED Talk by Valerie Korb, I kept thinking about Matthew 5. Love your enemies and bless the ones who curse you. Because that seems to me to be what she is practicing from the sick philosophy is love your enemies and bless the ones who curse you. She said, when we love, even in the face of fear and rage, we can transform a relationship, a culture, and a country. What if we just decided to try it? Rather than judging that that's not possible, what if we simply said, you know what, what if she's right? In our wonderment. Wonder if she's right about that. Because who would know otherwise? Who has loved enough in the face of fear and rage that you can go on record? And I know there are people but it's not every one of us because some of us fall off the train into judgment. And we never get to the loving through so that love becomes revolutionary for us. Rather than an afterthought or a platitude. Because we talk about love just like we all are really doing it. But if we were doing it the way we talk about it, we'd have a different world. That much I know for sure. We would be living different lives. She said that what has been an ancient spiritual truth is now increasingly confirmed by science, that we are all indivisibly part of one another. This is why we can't afford to judge. Why? Because we, are, we don't have to worry about you being judged by others. Sometimes we misunderstand Scripture. And the way that it's written. Sometimes we think, oh my goodness, I can't do that because so-and-so may do it to me and I won't be, uh-uh, you doing it to you. See, that's the risk. Is that when you judge, you are being judged by you. 
Why? Because you're judging. It's who you are. It's what you draw to you. You believe in judgment. And what? It's done unto you as you believe. So while you believe in judgment, you are getting judged by you. Don't worry about nobody else judging you. You's judging you. She said, the air we breathe contains the very atoms that have been passed through the lungs of our ancestors. She says, our bodies are composed of the same elements created deep inside the furnaces of long dead stars. We are a part of all that is. In the rhetoric, we we quickly say God is all there is, and then we live as if that couldn't possibly be true. What she's saying is that is true, that God is all there is. And it's showing up in each, it would have to. How could it be all there is but skip you or skip me? It either is or it isn't. I believe it is. So it is about all of us. And when we realize it, we realize the folly and danger in us judging each other. She says we can look upon the face of anyone or anything around us and say as a moral declaration and a spiritual cosmological and biological fact, you are the part of me that I do not yet know. You are the part of me that I do not yet know. That's why I'm confused by your behavior. Because you're the part of me that I do not yet know. Can you feel the difference in that? Rather than judge, they must be crazy. That's just the part of me that I do not yet know. When you do that, here's what I have found. (laughs) Is I find that part of me that, oh, that's the crazy I recognize. (laughs) But, But you have to pay attention. You have to wonder enough so that you begin to see yourself. Because what do they say? There's nothing new under the sun. So that that you think is new behavior on their part, watch you a little while. Oh, can I just say that, oh, I used to be the traffic police. I was just thinking, I just need me a shield. I, I, you know, something to flash on people. Because these turn signals and the... And then my little car has a little setting where it won't, you know, where if I swerve a little bit or if I try to turn before I put on the signal. I see, I thought I was the one. I thought I could be on the poster for turning on the signal. I thought, just use me for the, for the what do they call it, the community address, the, spe- the service announcement, the public service announcement. I felt like I could do that. Please turn on your blinkers. And I knew I did it all the time until my car told me otherwise. And then I thought, oh, I have more empathy for the people who, who, you know, I was suddenly conditioned. I had compassion. 
I had a different sense of how that all works. Because what? I saw me. I saw that what I was judging in them was that part of me that I didn't yet know. Because it was right there. I just was so busy looking at them and wanting to pull over and tell them about themselves <clears throat> that I couldn't see, what did they say, not the splinter, but the whole, the whole tree in my eye. Judge not. Yes. Oh, Lord. Look, Ernest Holmes, this is not the first time y'all have seen this or are aware of this. He's, he's talking about we begin one by one. We start where we are we, in breaking the chains of human consciousness which bind us. He says it's absolutely necessary. We, we must absolutely break it and emancipate ourselves from it. So he's really eliminating this fallacy of choice. <laughs> you know, like maybe not now, get to that after vacation. He's saying we got to do it. I'm suggesting we get to it immediately. Y'all know we got summer school coming. I just want to tell you we're ready for you. We're getting ready for you with these ideas about knowing and trusting and being trustworthy, seeing ourselves as trustworthy, trusting ourselves, trusting others, trusting life, trusting the divine. We need this lesson. We need this support in what we're up to because essentially I'm calling us out. I'm talking to me too, but I'm calling all of us out, all as hurting solars. Show up however you need to show up so that you can be a part of the solution. He asked us rhetorically, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? He says you're going to do it by the same means that brought about the condition, by thinking. Because everything is produced by thought. He says we're going to do it by thinking into universal mind, the truth about yourself. What did we just say? That part I'm judging was just the part that I hadn't met about me yet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to think into the universal mind, the truth about me. Which is really the truth about, it's the same thought I have about everybody. Once I look more deeply you find I really, sometimes in our minds, I think we think we can segment thoughts. I'm going to hate these people. I'm going to like these people, and I'm going to love these people over here. But that's really not how humanity works. That's not how being human works. If you're hating, you're just hating. You're just hating. And it's going to get on whoever is by you in that energetic field. So there really is not the segmentation of this. What we must know is that the highest truth is that we are power, spirit, and substance. We are made in the image of the divine. We are perfect. Often when we hear that, when we take that in, we take it in like, yeah, I can see I'm whole, perfect, and complete. And then your eye falls on somebody, and you're like, mm, not so much. <laughs> not them. They're not. But they're not as evolved. And we, you know what I'm saying. Then you start, you know, you got your, mm, 
but they not. Maybe if they took some classes, maybe if they apologized, maybe if they did some forgiveness work, they too could be. But no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We, we want to segment it and some do, some don't. But mm, this ain't that. We are whole, perfect, and complete. God is all there is. We are included in that. Here's the thing. This realization, if you embrace it, is healing. If you embrace it, if you leave it hanging out there, you're going to get to it later. It won't be for you. If you embrace it, it's healing. All of these realizations today, this notion of judging not is healing. This notion of understanding that that part that I I would want to criticize or, or choose to not understand or somehow hold in abeyance in some way, that the moment I realize that that is simply an aspect of me that I just hadn't met yet, I had not realized that was true about me as well. That realization is healing. Here's the thing. There is a healing going on. Get ye to it. Jamie Lula, there's a healing going on. <clears throat> Let me walk to the banks of the river of love. Baptized in the one Where there's no separation And the light is always seen ring all our differences And love will set us free Oh, oh, Mother, Father, God There's a healing going on Mother, Father, God There's a healing going on Said, oh, you rock my soul. I said, oh, you rock my soul. I see the blessings of the past. It's time to requalify. Let's not forget, but learn to forgive. God knows we gotta try. It's my responsibility to heal the Compassion, faith, and hope, and love, and truth will set us free. Oh, Father, Father, God, there's a healing going on. Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. I said, oh, you rock my soul. I said, oh, you got my soul. Oh, Lord, I said, Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. 
I said, oh, you rock my soul. Oh, you rock my soul. I said, oh. taken by, well, first of all, Jamie Lula as an artist, but very specifically the lyrics in this song. The part at the beginning where he says, where there's no separation and the light is all we see. I want to just shout out to Revelo for putting the lyrics up because often, well, there's certain members of my family, names not to be mentioned, who just make up the lyrics as they go. <laughs> and so while that's, that, while that's cool, I'm no, no shame, no heat, no nothing around that, no blame, no shame around that. But when you really get the real lyrics, you realize he's saying something. He's saying something where there's no separation and the light is all we see. Honoring all our differences, and love will set us free. Yes, you can begin to see. My prayer is that you can see how that dovetails perfectly with my message today. When we get to the fact that there's really nothing between any of us, other than whatever it is we're thinking about ourselves in that moment. We got work to do, y'all, and we're up to it. So I'm just big thanks for Jamie Lula and his artistry, for Shelby Five, for Hold On, for our virtual service team, for the hospitality circle, for all of it, for our opening song and our closing song by Brannis McKenzie, just, and most of all, that you show up from the far corners of the world and to right outside. There are probably some folks tuned in who are next door and not getting up. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for each and every one of you because I know that we're in this love together and we're doing what is required of us. I want to remind you about summer school and also I can't resist just allowing y'all to see the trailer. This is the brand new trailer, so if you've seen it before, you've only seen it once because it's only been played once in life. So here you go. When you trust and open your heart Life seems to take a brand new start When you trust, when you believe Get ready for the good things you will receive Let the power in you Tell you just what to do Spirit will lead you 
an original tune written by my brother Lonnie Berry and sung by Charles Peoples and then mixed by Valerie Joy Fidmont and David, David Dupart. And so I am, and the video trailer by Revelo, by Reverend Angelo Allen. Work it out, work it out. So uh, it's very clear that our summer school focus is on trust. And... Um, I dare I say, just in the nick of time, just in the nick of time. So we, we begin on Wednesday, July 28th, Wednesday, July 28th, and we go for five Wednesdays. This is the shortest one we've ever had. This will give you time to have your summer and get your trust on as well. And uh, we begin at 6.30, and we endeavor to be out and done by 8 p.m., Pacific time, and so join us. Be a part of it. Registration is open now. Oh, I love that. Don't you love the infomercials? That registration is open now. Operators are standing by. And so right now, we're just trusting. We're just trusting and knowing, believing on every level of my being that there is one. One life, the life of God, of Jehovah, of Allah, of Yah, Yahweh, of the living one, the strong one, the mighty I am presence. One, one life. And I'm living it, even as it is living me. One breath. As Valerie Kaur said, from the beginning of time, we are still, I am right now, breathing the breath of my ancestors, of humanity's ancestors. There's not like new oxygen. That we are immersed in this, this now moment is made out of the Sankofa living. So we look back, we feel back, we breathe back. Always we are in the divine continuum of eternality. I know we're often obsessed with newness, but this is simply breathing, 
breathing the breath of the divine, the living one, the strong one, the all in all. And then being aware that it is breathing me. That while I am breathing the breath of the divine, the breath of the divine is breathing me. And I can hardly go on. There's a part of me that feels like, and that's enough to know. Because that about says it all. That right where I am right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. And what else is there? What else is there for, to be concerned about, to ask about, to pray for, to know that right where any of us is, all of us are, right now and always, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. So there's nothing to ask for. There's nothing to, to cry about. There's nothing to, it's all in there. And we can cry. The, it already is. Whatever it is I would pray for, whatever healing, whatever shift, whatever change that I might list, and I got a list. It's just when I submit, when I let go and I let the divine have its full sway in my mind and heart, I get that there's nothing missing. Nothing. That everything is unfolding in absolute perfect order. Not related to whether I like it whether that's what I thought I wanted. It's just that I honor that there are no mistakes in God. And for anyone for whom that's hard to hear, I simply say it's all God. And so knowing this, I'm grateful. Knowing this, I trust. Knowing this, I stand down and allow the perfect unfoldment of life in my life. And I know that what is true for me is simply true. It's not like unique to me. It simply is true. All I'm doing is peeping it. All I'm doing is recognizing. All I'm doing is accepting. All I'm doing is realizing. All I'm doing is relaxing into the truth. God is. I am. And all is well. God is. We are. And all. And for this awareness, I am grateful. It is an absolute perfect gratitude that I just let this be, that I release this word. Not my.
my word, not specifically my word. It's the word. It's the truth that I release this truth into the perfect activity of love, which I know is law. And I don't know the work it's going to do on it. All I know is that it's time for me to let it be, to trust, to know, to allow. And so I do now. And I seal it for all eternity by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is. Y'all love always has, does now, always will.